You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Hey sis, welcome back to Girl Goodnight. I'm Return of Lamac, and every Sunday you can relax to binaural beats while I read you a melanated bedtime story. Join the Girl Goodnight gang. You can find us on YouTube and anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. All links will be in the episode description. Complete the form linked in our bio to be featured on the show and share your thoughts and opinions in the Girl Goodnight Land Facebook group. Help your friends sleep in melanated peace. Girls, share the show and show us some love with the five-star rating and review. Our journals make the perfect addition to the show. View them and all of our merch on Etsy, link in description. Tonight, we'll be reading John Redding Goes to Sea, written by Zora Neale Hurston. To hear more about Zora Neale Hurston, check out the Lawn and Drawing episode. John Redding Goes to Sea, the first short story published by Zora Neale Hurston, was published in the May 1921 issue of the Stylist Literary Magazine at Howard University. In the story, we meet John Redding, who is dying to leave his hometown and explore what lies beyond. On his journey, he encounters many roadblocks, such as his family and his new wife. Ultimately, John gets his wish, although it wasn't how he envisioned. Now, close your eyes, take a deep breath, and sleep in melanated peace. John Redding Goes to Sea The villagers said that John Redding was a queer child. His mother thought he was, too. She would shake her head sadly and observe to John's father. Alf, it's too bad our boy's got a spell on him. The father always met this lament with indifference, if not impatience. Oh, woman, stop that talk about Contra. Tain't so no how. I don't want John to get that foolishness in him. Cause you always try to know more than me, but I ain't so ignorant. I knows the heat myself. Many and many the people have been drove out of their senses by conjuration or read to death by witches. 
I keep on telling you, woman, it ain't so. Believe it all you wants to, but don't you tell my son none of it. Perhaps 10-year-old John was puzzling to the simple folk here in the Florida woods, for he was an imaginative child and fond of daydreams. The St. John River flowed a scarce 300 feet from his back door. On its banks at this point grow numerous palms, luxuriant magnolias, and bay trees with a dense overgrowth of ferns, cattails, and rope grass. On the bosom of that stream float millions of delicately colored hyacinths. The little brown boy loved to wander down to the water's edge and, casting in dry twigs, watch them sail away downstream to Jacksonville, the sea, the wide world, and John Redding wanted to follow them. Sometimes in his dreams, he was a prince, riding away in a gorgeous carriage. Often, he was a knight, bestride a fiery charger prancing down the white shell road that led to distant lands. At other times, he was a steamboat captain, piloting his craft down the St. John River to where the sky seemed to touch the water. No matter what he dreamed or who he fancied himself to be, he always ended by riding away to the horizon, for in his childish ignorance, he thought this to be the farthest land. But these twigs, which John called his ships, did not always sail away. Sometimes they would be swept in among the weeds growing in the shallow water and be held there. One day, his father came upon him scolding the weeds for stopping his seagoing vessels. Let go my ships, yo mean woods, you! John screamed and stamped impotently. They wants to go away. You let them go now. Alfred laid his hand on his son's head lovingly. What's the matter, son? My ships, Pa the child answered, weeping. I thought the men to go way off and them old weeds won't let them. Well, well, don't cry. I thought you was a grown-up man. Men don't cry like babies. You must have taken too hard about your ships. You gotta get used to things getting tied up. They lost the folks that'll go off on them too if they didn't catch them and hold them. Alfred Redding's brown face grew wistful for a moment and the child, noticing it, asked quickly, do weeds tangle up folks too, Pa? Now, no, child. Don't be taking too much stock of what I say. I talks in parables sometimes. Come on, let's go on to supper. Alf took his son's hand and started slowly toward the house. Soon, John broke the silence. Pa, when I gets to be as big as you, I'm going farther than them ships. I'm a going where the sky touches the ground. Well, son, when I was a boy, I said I was going to, but here I am. I hopes you have better luck than me. Pa, I bet you I seen something in the wood like you ain't seen. What? See that tallest pine tree over there? How it looks like a skull with a crown on? Yes, indeed, said the father looking toward the tree designated. It do look like a skull since you call my attention to it. You imagine lots of things nobody else ever did, son. Sometimes, Pa, that old tree waves at me just after the sun go down and makes me sad and scared, too. I expects you scared of the dark, that's all, sonny. When you gets bigger, you won't think of such. Hand in hand, the two trudged across the plowland and up to the house, the child dreaming of the days when he would wander to far countries, 
and the man of the days when he might have, and thus they entered the kitchen. Maddie Redding, John's mother, was setting the table for supper. She was a small, wiry woman with large eyes that might have been beautiful when she was young, but too much weeping had left them watery and weak. Maddie, Alf began as he took his place at the table. Don't you know our boy is different from any other child around here? He lies he's going to see when he gets grown, and I reckon I let him. The woman turned from the stove, skillet in hand. Alf, you ain't gone crazy, is you? John can't help one to stray off because he got a spell on him. But you ought to be ashamed encouraging him. Ain't I done told you 40 times not to talk that lowlife mess in front of my boy? Well, if ain't no conjuring in the world, how come Mitch Potts been laying on his back six months and the doctor can't do him no good? Answer me that. The very night John was born, Granny seed old witch Judy Davis creeping out of this here yard. You know she had swore to fix me for marrying you away from her daughter, Edna. She put travel dust down from a child. That's what she done to make him walk away from me. And ever since he been able to crawl, he been trying to go. Maddie, a man don't need no travel dust to make him want to hit the road. It just come natural for a man to travel. They all wants to go at some time or another, but they can't all get away. I wants my John to go and see because I want to go myself. When he comes back, I can see them far in places with his eyes. He can't help wanting to go because he's a man-child. Mrs. Redding promptly went off into a fit of weeping, but the man and boy ate supper unmoved. Twelve years of married life had taught Alfred that far from being miserable when she wept, his wife was enjoying a bit of self-pity. Thus, John Redding grew into manhood, playing, studying, and dreaming. He attended the village school, as did most of the youth about him, but he also went to high school at the county seat where none of the villagers went. His father shared his dreams and ambitions, but his mother could not understand why he should wish to go to strange places where neither she nor his father had been. No one of their community had ever been farther away than Jacksonville. Few indeed had ever been there. Their own gardens, general store, and occasional trips to the county seat seven miles away suffice for all their needs. Life was simple indeed with these folk. John was the subject of much discussion among the country folk. Why didn't he teach school instead of thinking about strange places and people? Did he think himself better than any of the gals there about that he would not go according any of them? He must be fixed, as his mother claimed, Else, where did his queer notions come from? Well, he was always queer, and one could not expect the man to be different from the child. They never failed to stop work at the approach of Alfred in order to be at the fence and inquire John's health and ask when he expected to leave. Oh, Alfred would answer, just as soon as his ma gets reconciled to the notion. He's a mighty dutiful boy, my John is. He don't want to hurt her feelings. The boy had on several occasions attempted to reconcile his mother to the notion, but found it a difficult task. Maddie always took refuge in self-pity and tears. Her son's desires were incomprehensible to her. That was all. She did not want to hurt him. It was love, mother love, that made her cling so desperately to John. Lord knows, she would sigh. I never was happy and never expects to be. And from your actions put in Alfred hotly, used determined not to be. 
That's right, Alfred. Go on and abuse me. You always does. I knows I'm ignorant and all that, but this my son. I bred and born him. He can't help from wanting to go roving because travel does been put down for him. But maybe we can cure him by disencouraging the idea. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Well... I wants my son to go, and he wants to go too. He's a man now, Maddie, and we must let John Ho on his own road. If it's traveling, twon't be for long. He'll come back to us better than when he went off. What do you say, son? Mama, John began slowly. It hurts me to see you so troubled over my going away, but I feel that I must go. I'm stagnating here. This indolent atmosphere will stifle every bit of ambition that's in me. Let me go, Mama, please. What is there here for me? Why, sometimes I get to feeling just like a lump of dirt turned over by the plow. Just where it falls, that's where it lies. No thought or movement or nothing. I want to make myself something, not just stay where I was born. No, John, it's better for you to stay here and take over the school. Why don't you marry and settle down? I don't want to, Mama. I want to go away. Well, said Mrs. Redding, pursing her mouth tightly. You ain't going with my consent. I'm sorry, Mama, that you won't consent. I'm going nevertheless. John, John, my baby. You wouldn't kill your poor old Mama, would you? Come, kiss me, son. The boy flung his arms about his mother and held her closely while she sobbed on his breast. To all of her pleas, however, he answered that he must go. I'll stay at home this year, Mama. Then I'll go for a while, but it won't be long. I'll come back and I'll make you and Papa oh so happy. Do you agree, Mama dear? I reckon tain't nothing tall for me to do else. Things went on very well around the Reading House for some time. During the day, John helped his father about the farm and read a great deal at night. Then the unexpected happened. John married Stella Canty, a neighbor's daughter. The courtship was brief but ardent, on John's part at least. He danced with Stella at a candy pulling, walked with her home, and in three weeks had declared himself. Mrs. Redding declared that she was happier than she had ever been in her life. She, therefore, indulged in a whole afternoon of weeping. John's change was occasioned possibly by the fact that Stella was really beautiful. He was young and red-blooded, and the time was spring. Springtime in Florida is not a matter of peeping violets or bursting buds merely. It is a riot of color in nature, glistening green leaves, pink, blue, purple, yellow blossoms that fairly stagger the visitor from the north. The miles of hyacinths lie like an undulating carpet on the surface of the river and divide reluctantly when the slow-moving alligators push their way log-like across. The nights are white nights, for the moon shines with dazzling splendor, or in the absence of that goddess, 
the soft darkness creeps down laden with innumerable scents. The heavy fragrance of magnolias mingled with the delicate sweetness of jasmine and wild roses. If time and propinquity conquered John, what then? These forces have overcome older men. The raptures of these first few weeks over, John began to saunter out to the gate to gaze wistfully down the white, dusty road or to wander again to the river as he had done in childhood. To be sure he did not send forth twig ships any longer, but his thoughts would, in spite of himself, stray downriver to Jacksonville, the sea, the wide world, and poor home-tied John Redding wanted to follow them. He grew silent and pensive. Maddie accounted for this by her ever-ready explanation of conjuration. Alfred said nothing, but smoked and puttered about the barn more than ever. Stella accused her husband of indifference and made his life miserable with tears, accusations, and pouting. At last, John decided to bring matters to a head and broached the subject with his wife. Stella, dear, I want to go roving about the world for a spell. Would you stay here with Papa and Mama and wait for me to come back? John, it's your crazy show enough. If you don't want me, say so and I can go home to my folks. Stella, darling, I do want you, but I want to go away too. I can have both if you'll let me. We'll be so happy when I return. Now, John, you can't rush me off one side like that. You didn't have to marry me. There's plenty of others that would have been glad enough to get me. You know I wasn't educated beforehand. Don't make me too conscious of my weakness, Stella. I know I should have never married with my inclinations, but it's done now. No use to talk about what is past. I love you and want to keep you, but I can't stifle that longing for the open road, rolling seas for people in countries I have never seen. I'm suffering too, Stella. I'm paying for my rashness in marrying before I was ready. I'm not trying to shirk my duty. You'll be well taken care of in the meantime. John, folks always said you was queer and told me not to marry you, but I just loved you so and I couldn't help it. And now to think you wants to sneak off and leave me? But I'm coming back, darling. Listen, Stella. But the girl would not. Maddie came in and Stella fell into her arms weeping. John's mother immediately took up arms against him. The two women carried on such an effective war against him for the next few days that finally Alfred was forced to take his son's part. Maddie, let that boy alone, I tell you. If he was a homebody, he'd be drove away by you all's racket. Well, Alf, that's all we poor women can do. We wants our husbands and our sons. John got a wife now, and he ain't got no business to be talking about going nowhere. I lied that Mary and Stella was settling. Yes, that's all you women study about, settling some man. You takes all the get up out of them. Just let a fella make a motion like getting somewhere and some woman gonna come to holler, stop there, where's you going? Don't forget you belongs to me. My God, Al, what you reckon Stella's gonna do? Let John walk off and leave her? No, get out of foolishness and go along with him. He take her. Stella ain't got no call to go crazy cause John is. She ain't no woman to be flopping around from place to place like some of these reps fall in a section gang. 
The man turned abruptly from his wife and stood in the kitchen door. A blue haze hung over the river and Alfred's attention seemed fixed upon this. In reality, his thoughts were turned inward. He was thinking of the numerous occasions upon which he and his son had sat on that fallen log at the edge of the water and talked of John's proposed travels. He had encouraged his son, giving him every advantage his own poor circumstances would permit. And now, John was home-tied. The young man suddenly turned the corner of the house and approached his father. Hello, Papa. Hello, son. Where's Mama and Stella? The older man merely jerked his thumb toward the interior of the house and once more gazed pensively toward the river. John entered the kitchen and kissed his mother fondly. Great news, Mama. What now? Got a chance to join the Navy, Mama, and go all around the world. Ain't that grand? John, you surely ain't gonna leave me and Stella, is you? Yes, I think I am. I know how you both feel, but I know how I feel also. You preach to me the gospel of self-sacrifice for the happiness of others, but you're unwilling to practice any of it yourself. Stella can stay here. I'm going to support her and spend all the time I can with her. I'm going. That's settled. But I want to go with your goodwill. I want to do something worthy of a strong man. I've done nothing so far but look to you and Papa for everything. Let me learn to strive and think. In short, be a man. No, John. I'll never give my consent. I know you's hard-headed just like your pa, but if you leave this place over my head, I never want you to come back here no more. If I was laid on a cooling board, I don't want you standing over me, young man. Don't even come near my grave, you ungrateful wretch. Are you still up? Girl, good night. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.